Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast. Although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Your number one source for all things Chelsea. On this episode, we're going to be debating... Who Chelsea should sign this summer? Should it be Erling Haaland or should it be bringing back Romelu Lukaku? Now here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm your host Mikey and today I'm joined on April Fool's Day by two people who are certainly no fools and that is Berth and Chris. How are we guys? Hello, yes I'm really good and if you saw me and Chris try and play football last night after a three month break you'd probably say we are fools. So, um, you know, that's a good way to start. But yeah, Chris, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, you know what? I'm all right. I've I've had a really slow week, a bit like an international break, really. Nothing going on. So, aside from being bitten loads by bugs at football, I've got nothing. I've got nothing else going on this week. Quiet week. Quiet week. I've I've, I've broken up for well, sort of got time off, and then I'm back in for a little bit, and then time off again. So, that'll be nice. I'm more excited to get my SSD into my computer tomorrow so my PC isn't slow. It's so slow, but we're, we're upgrading the game, like the YouTube and the, the Twitter videos, which we're I'm slowly getting around to doing, so it'll be there soon. Soon, everyone will be able to see everybody on yeah, video. Anyway, uh, with that, we're going to head straight into the newsroom and see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. Well, as we said at the top of the episode, well, we didn't, but it was international break. No games to review, which is it's a bit of a shame. But we have a mixture of news. So first off, it's going to be a huge congratulations to the Chelsea women's team for beating Wolfsburg 3-0 in their second leg of their Champions League quarterfinal. 5-1 victory on aggregate. And they'll be in the semi-finals to face either Bayern Munich or Swedish club Rosengard, depending on tonight's result, because obviously at the time of recording, that tie hasn't been concluded yet. Bayern hold the 3-0 lead over Rosengard from the first leg before the two sides meet again. So, likely the German side. Any thoughts on the uh, the incredible achievement that's been done so far to get Chelsea women's team into the semi-finals? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's really good to see. I think it's been a good couple of weeks for women football in general, especially the news that um, I think BBC and Sky are now able to show the WSL from next season, I think. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. that's true, yeah. So that, that's really good news. It's a shame it weren't on TV last night, uh, a reasonable time. I think it was on midday. It's yeah, a shame, but... It yeah, strange time to have it, yeah. But, you know, congratulations to Chelsea. They're absolutely smashing it at the moment. I've got a good feeling they can get to the final and hopefully they can lift the Champions League just like the men's team are going to lift the Champions League. <laughs> relatively soon yeah I mean to be fair I'm a huge Sam Kerr fan which people can tell by my tweets uh, I mean absolutely find a brilliant exceptional player and yeah she'll probably she probably won't win Chelsea's player of the season that'll probably go to Fran Kirby which fair enough if you're going to lose to anyone losing to Fran Kirby is no shame at all but for me it's Sam Kerr She's she came in did the almost similar to Timo Werner didn't score goals wasted some chances people were criticising her style of play and now she's just she's just scoring goals for fun, top of the goal scoring charts in the WSL and the assist charts. I mean, what? Wow, 
Wow, that, that, that's a comeback. That's incredible. Mm. Absolutely incredible. So, yeah, a, any thoughts on, on the result, Chris? Uh, I thought it was a really good result against a really strong Wolfsburg team. Fair, yeah, they I are think, a very good team. I think Emma Hayes has done an unbelievable job to not only get the club to where it is now, but to keep pushing them on and keep getting better. They seem to get better every season, which is incredible, really. And I think she deserves a hell of a lot of praise, but so does the club as well for backing the women so much from so early on, where a lot of clubs are doing it now. But Chelsea is one of the sort of trailblazers in women's football, really. So I think the club deserve a lot of credit as well. Yeah, I think... Agreed. Yeah, the Chelsea women's side's been going since about 2004, I think. Roughly around then. Um, I'd say they're the second best team in women's football. I mean, that you could come across it. Maybe I'm being biased. But no, Leon, Leon and Leon, they're an absolutely incredible machine. You know, they just win, win, win. But I think the Chelsea women's side is slowly catching up and getting to that level. I mean, when you've got players like Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr in your side, you're going to be challenging for the silverware. And hopefully this year is the year that, you know, they get their hands on the Champions League. Fingers crossed. So... Away from that, obviously that, that semi-final, by the way, will be played on either the 24th or the 25th of April with the return leg a week later on, 1st or 2nd of May, for anyone curious. To the men's game, Thomas Tuckle, he got a nomination for Manager of the Month for March and Mr. Didn't Put a Foot Wrong, Andreas Christensen, got nominated for Player of the Month for March. We all agree, truly deserved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think Tuckle should get it. I think I definitely think he should get Manager of the Month. And as much as I like to say that Christensen should get out of the month, and yes, he should. He should definitely be up there. It's just not favourable for them to give a defender player of the month unless you're Virgil van Dijk. Um, so it'll be interesting who gets it. Um, a lot of stuff. Well, I think Harry Kane's in there, if I'm not mistaken. Is Harry Kane in there? Probably. Yeah. I think Harry Kane will probably get it. He, obviously, he's a striker. He's smashing goals at the minute. He's obviously English, which also helps. I just think it's a great achievement anyway for Christensen to get it, but I just don't see him getting it, unfortunately. But his form has been magnificent. He hasn't put a foot wrong, like you said, so fair play to him. Yeah, that's so, so true. Um, I'll just yeah, pull. Oh, go on, Chris. Go ahead. I think Tuckle what does... Oh, I agree with Beth. I think he does deserve manager of the month. And Christensen, I think, even to be nominated shows how much of a comeback he's had from where he was in the Chelsea squad to where he is now. Like, I don't think anyone would have put him up for that nomination. Or if you'd said he was going to get nominated for player of the month six weeks ago, everyone would have said, no, nah, you're crazy. So fair play to him. Mm. Mm. Uh, looking at the chart, uh, the voting's closed, but it was Christensen, Iheanacho, Kane, Lingard, Mares, Meslier of Leeds, the goalkeeper, Luke Shaw and Trossard. I think out of all them, I'd probably say Lingard because he has been just as impressive as Christensen in terms of rejuvenating his career. So, you know, yeah, he plays for a rival side, West Ham. They're a lot but of I suppose he's, he's, an, he's an attacker as well, isn't he? I yeah, suppose he's sort of... So it's it, always more favourable. When it comes down to FIFA and it helps that they get votes in, attacking players always get the votes. So, but to be fair, Gundogan got... Played yeah, once, two, two months in a row. So you never know. I, I doubt Christian's going to get it, but no, like Chris said, it's a great achievement. It's a great achievement either way. For sure. Um, quick roundup of what went on for our players during their respective international breaks. England, uh, Chilwell, James and Mount, they all grabbed an assist in the 5-0 win for England over San Marino. Uh, Mason Mount was impressive against Poland last night. I didn't watch the game, but from what I've been hearing back, 
He was really, really impressive. Can yeah, I, I mean, uh, mate. Oh, go on. Mason, sorry, sorry, Mason Mount. Again, I'll just reiterate the point that how can you not like Mason Mount and how can you not rate Mason Mount? Incredible. It's, player. It's, there's no coincidence that he was Lampard's favourite, he's uh, Southgate's favourite, Tuckles um, playing him every single game now. All these pundits are saying how good he is. You don't just get that by being English or being whatever or a teacher's pet, as I've seen some people call him. Ridiculous. You, you play week in, week out under loads of different managers by being incredibly disciplined, incredibly hardworking, and most of all, which, is, which he is, incredibly talented. Exactly yeah. that. I mean, he came for the academy and he's just been, he's going to be a future captain. Simple as that. Maybe for yeah. England as well as Chelsea. Uh, Kai Havertz, he scored a goal as Germany and Antonio Rudiger kept a clean sheet in their 3 0 win over Iceland. Werner made a late cameo in that. Unfortunately, uh, oh. Oh, I know, I've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen it. Um, Macedonia 2 1 to Macedonia, North Macedonia. Werner, oh, just a guy, he's just low on confidence and, you know, maybe he's overthought it. I won't dwell on it too much. I felt sorry for him. But, yeah, he should have played with it. He didn't. We move on. Emerson, he played in Italy's 2-0 win over Northern Ireland. Christensen, he kept a clean sheet as Denmark won 2-0 against Greece. Pulisic got some minutes in USA's 4-1 over Jamaica. Batshuayi scored a cracker. I don't know if you saw that when they beat Bel- uh, Belarus 8-0. Wow. No, I didn't. I didn't wow. see that, no. It's, it's just a classic just strike. Hard into the top of the net. It's a, it's a good strike. Uh, Kovacic, he, he was outstanding. Man of the match against Malta as Croatia won 3-0. He could question the opposition, but it is what it is. Uh, Kante and Hudson-Odoi, they returned to Chelsea early due to injuries they picked up. Kante, he picked up a slight hamstring issue. No return date has been mentioned. Hudson-Odoi, he was just a shoulder issue, but apparently he could likely be okay. Um, maybe there's some more update You know, when you listen to this on Saturday or Sunday, listeners. Uh, any thoughts on the international break before we move on? Uh, I'm just glad it's over, if I'm honest. I know, I know it sounds bad, and I love England to do well, but it's just it's just boring watching the World Cup qualifiers and the friendlies. and It's just, I want the Premier League to be here, and I want to be watching the Premier League. I don't know how Chris feels about it, but that's that's my thoughts anyway. Exactly the same. I, I, I just, for some reason, I just can't get into international football. I, I like the tournaments, but all yeah. this qualifying, when we're playing teams like San Marino and it, it just seems pointless. You know, you're putting amateur players against absolute elite level professionals. What is the point of that? I just, there's just, there's there's no, just no intensity, is there? There's no intensity in the games. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I know what you mean. The qualif- I don't understand why they don't just have the top 20 teams ranked in the world already qualify for these tournaments and then everyone else can battle out for qualification. Because what is the point? Other sports do that. You know, rugby do it. They, they have the top nations automatically qualify for their World Cup. So I think it's time football went the same way because no one has an interest in these in these games. Yeah. On the Christensen point, just bringing that back up, the last defender to win Player of the Month was Trent Alexander-Arnold in December of 2019. Before that, it was Van Dijk in December of 2018. But before that, it, you'd have to go all the way back to 2013 when it was Jan Vertonghen in March. So it's, it's not it's not common that defenders win player of the month, sadly. Well, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's like you never really see defenders win the Ballon d'Or, which is a shame. I think goalkeepers and defenders should have their own sort of trophy away from the attackers to make it a bit fairer on them, really, because if you, ain't, you ain't going to have a defender that's going to win it over Messi and Ronaldo. If Van Dijk can't win it for the 
like two years ago over uh, Messi Ronaldo, then well, no defender can really can they? Mm. I, I know what you yeah. mean. I know what you mean. So we'll be back to talk our main topic, and it's a good one after this. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back, listeners. Well, this week it was, of course, international break. I know I've said it too many times already. I hate myself. But that does not stop us from diving into the news, getting a good old debate flowing. And this episode, it will all be about two forwards who are being hyped up as our next big major summer signing. And one of them seems to be in the news every day recently because of his agents. That's that's always a good one, isn't it? Uh, it's the question, who should Chelsea sign this summer? Erling Haaland or Romelu Lukaku? Now, this at first glance could be a no-brainer. You know, could surely you choose the younger player who seems to score goals for fun wherever he goes. Erling Haaland every day. Well, listeners, I, d- I don't believe it's that simple. Truly, I really don't. So the questions we have to ask ourselves here are who is better value, who would suit our system more, and who could we realistically, that's the big key word here, realistically sign. Now, when I wrote this up, the story had broke in the Telegraph, a UK paper, that Chelsea are wanting to focus on bringing in a centre forward this summer. Tammy Abraham, Olivier Giroud's futures are in major doubt. The gossip pages suggested Roman Abramovich wants Haaland at any cost. Whilst these same pages also suggest Haaland does not view Chelsea as his next club for a variety of reasons. So you have to take each bit of news there with a pinch of salt. So, guys, I'm going to treat this a debate episode like almost like a chat down the pub because it kind of feels that vibe. What are your thoughts on Haaland so far during his, his short but very bright early career in football? I mean, he's ridiculous. He's absolutely ridiculous. Whenever I've, I mean, he does make scoring goals not really, really easy. But so did Timo Werner in Germany. So it's... Um... Be nice. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Werner. I do love Werner. And I still think there's time for him to improve. But anyway, back to Haaland. Yeah, I think he's like a robot. He's just relentless. He's, he's a game changer for any team that he goes to. I think if he goes to Real Madrid or a Man City or, or PSG, whatever, he'll make them better because he will score goals wherever he goes. I, I firmly believe it. I think the Premier League will be very suited to him. He's obviously got a great build. Very, very quick. I thought he was a bit... thought when I first saw him come on the scene, I thought he'd be a bit slow, but no, he's very, very quick. Really, really good on the ball as well. Again, for someone his size, I mean, last week we talked about Rude Hullet, he was really tall and, and good on the ball. Haaland's exactly the same. Maybe not as graceful, but I think he's very, very good with the ball at his feet. And he's he can pass as well. He's technically very, very good. So, yeah, he, I mean, I've been very impressed with him. His movement, off the ball, you know, everything about him just screams world-class. And it, at the moment, it's looking like he's just going to get better and better. Yeah, well, I think Haaland is probably the most complete centre-forward I've seen at his age. He has got everything. He He's really fast. He's strong. He can dribble the ball, he can pass the ball, he can hold the ball up, he can go in behind and he he just scores goals. And I think the biggest thing with him is it's mentality. I think he looks like he's got that that sort of Ronaldo mentality where he he wants to score goals every single time he's on the pitch. Even if his team win and he doesn't score, you know he's coming off the pitch and he's not happy. And I think that sort of mentality is why he will go on and score 
hundreds of goals in his career. You know what, Christo? It's funny you mentioned Ronaldo. I actually was going to compare him to uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo and how he started off. And this sort of yeah. electric player that was very, very quick, so strong on the ball, would just go past players like they weren't even there. Just a phenomenon, really. And it's exactly like the Brazilian Ronaldo and how he sort of burst on the scene. Obviously, oh, yeah. R9, you know, he had a lot of injuries. You hope that Haaland stays fit. If he does stay fit and he gets a good move and he gets his confidence up and he scores a few goals early at his new club or wherever he goes, he'll no doubt be a future Ballon d'Or winner. I have no doubt about that. Um, the world-class potential is there for Haaland. It, the stats are right there to back it up. I mean, they're screaming in our faces, smacking us in the face, going, look, look at this. I mean, at the time of recording this season, he's got 21-21 and 21 in the Bundesliga, 10-6 and 6 in the Champions League, a total of 33-31 and 31 games for Dortmund across all competitions. Last season, it was 10-8 for the Champions League, 13-15 for the Bundesliga, and 16-14 for the Austrian. Bundesliga when he was at uh, Salzburg. That's that's ridiculous stats. I mean, if I read those out a few years ago, you'd have assumed I was talking Cristiano Ronaldo at Real Madrid. And that's a big, big comparison. But the stats back it up. And yeah, the Bundesliga was a lot more... I think the Champions League certainly showcased the players' talent more than maybe their own league, if you question what their league quality is about. Obviously, the Austrian Bundesliga, not the strongest division in Europe. So, but the Champions League, he was still doing the business. Uh, overall, I, I mean, fans are not going to like it, but I can't see him joining Chelsea. I mean, for me, I feel he'd most likely move to a, a Real Madrid or a City, not because of the wage, but because of the level. And that's controversial because it sounds like I'm berating our club. I'm not. I'm saying it because Madrid are Madrid. Players will always want to play in that famous white jersey. That's just... They're an iconic side in world football. We know what it... Hazard said it himself. Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, Gareth... You know the stories. But when I look at City, they're arguably the team right now with Pep, with the strongest chance of, maybe in England, of winning a Champions League title. We could obviously win it this season because we've done it before, especially when we've not been the strongest side in the competition. But it's it's a title that Haaland wants. And I, I feel that maybe the lure of playing for that side that his dad also played for, could sway him. Again, I think finances will play a part. I, I just look at the project. We keep hearing about today, apparently, he's going to Barcelona, his agent has, and then Madrid. They want to hear about this project where money will be, of course, a huge point. What, what do you feel on it? I'm not saying we won't sign him, and I'm not saying that we're not at that level, but let's be realistic. We're probably not at that level in our project because, obviously, it's kind of reset in a weird way with Tuchel coming in and Lampard going out. But where do you see us in this race? Um, I, I agree with you, Mikey. I think at the moment, whether we like it or not, we're a massive club, we are a big club, but I think I don't think we're quite up to the standards of Bayern Munich, Man City, Real Madrid at the moment for sort of buying power, so to speak. Mm. I just think it's sort of... I think you're right. I think City are the ones that are most likely to win the Champions League and I, I very well think that they could win it this year. Um Haaland, I've read, wants to be the highest paid Premier League player. And I've seen the figure of 600k a week. I saw that today, mad. I think that's that's almost his agent talking for him, I think. And I think that's what you've got to be careful of. Yeah. You're talking of projects and our project. We'll bring someone like him in, ruffle a few feathers, so to speak. I don't know. 
it's a difficult one because you can't turn a player like him down. You just can't. If he's there to be bought and he's interested, you want to go for him. I do think he doesn't. He wants to go somewhere else. I don't think Chelsea's is his first. Mm. His first on the list. But you just can't turn him down if you're Chelsea, especially with our current striker predicament. Where let's face it, we haven't really got an out-and-out striker that's scoring loads of goals at the minute. I know we got Tammy, but is he a world-class striker? Probably not. He will get goals, but he's not that up there, is he, yet? Yet, no, anyway. That's a fair point, yeah. So I think, you know, we need this world-class striker that will score 20, 25 goals a season. Haaland is that. But then he has got a lot of baggage. Yeah, I, I think the agent side, you have to remember the Paul Pogba situation with Mino Royola and all that. I mean, we're, we're, we like to pride ourselves on being rational with our thoughts, and we're not going to sit here and go, we're the biggest club in the world. Of course, we love to think we are. You know, we're fans. We're course we we see our club as the biggest and the best you know we'd we'd absolutely love to pull on that jersey next season's is questionable i've seen the home kit leaks yeah that pattern but um yeah we'd love to pull it on we would but you have to look at the the contenders in this race i i sent out a tweet a few few weeks ago saying that only barcelona could be in a ton of debt and yet probably have the best summer window of their their absolute lives and i really still believe that i wouldn't be shocked if they get every target they want it's just it's just the logic of the of the footballing world but what do you feel on the race for Haaland Chris the way I look at it there's there's four clubs which I think will will always have a standing above all other clubs no matter what they achieve and you've got your Real Madrid your Barcelona your Bayern Munich and your Man United those four clubs because of their history and their commercial revenue and just the size of the club. I think those four will always be above every other club. Your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's, your Man City's. So I think it depends what he wants to do. It depends whether he wants to go from Dortmund to a club. If he goes to one of those four clubs, he has to stay there then for the rest of his career or any club he goes to will be a step backwards unless he yeah. goes between those four, obviously. Yeah. So it depends whether he wants to do that or whether he wants to go to... The, the sort of uh, the, the next elite tier, your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's, your Man City's, Juventus, those sort of clubs, and then move on to your Barcelona, your Real Madrid afterwards. It'll all depend on what he wants to do, but he seems like he's already got his path mapped out in his head. From when he speaks, he sounds like he already has his mind made up where he wants to go next. Mm-hmm. And now I just think it's a case of his agents just going to meet all these different clubs to try and get as much money as he can. When yeah. realistically, I think Haaland has already made his choice. And if I'm honest, I don't think it'll be Chelsea. I he's all, he's at Dortmund, and in Germany, Dortmund are a similar level club to what Chelsea are in England. We've you know they they got to the Champions League final in like 2013 or whenever it was. Yeah, that's a fair point. You know, we won it in 2012. They've won a couple of German titles. We've won more Premier League, so we're probably slightly above them in world standings. But in their own country, I, I don't think there's a lot of difference. So. It's almost a sideways move if he was to do if he was to do that. The only reason I could see him going to City would be Guardiola. Yes. If, if Guardiola wasn't at City, I don't think they'd be in the race at all. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, you're I, right. I, I, think, I think he'll end up in Spain. I think it'll be Barcelona or Real Madrid. I mean, based the top five teams, the richest football clubs, based on what they've made over the, this year, Deloitte put out a list. Fifth was Liverpool. Fourth was Manchester United, third Bayern, second Real Madrid, and number one was surprisingly Barcelona, considering their finances. So, you know, we were eighth on that list. So, you know, we beat Tottenham, which is the main thing. Uh, you know, 
we come to Romelu Lukaku. We've been here before. You know, a few seasons ago, it was Morata or Lukaku. We arguably lost out on Lukaku and took Morata as a runners-up prize. Uh, it's not the best summer at all in recent memories for spending, but, you know, his game, his game has improved at Inter Milan. You know, that first touch, which was used by many to mock him as a player, has become a top asset of his under Antonio Conte. I mean, after Romelu himself, he said that, and I quote, for the first three months at Inter, Conte did nothing but train me with my back to the goal. At each session, he would put Ranocchio behind me and asked him to go hard against me. Every time I lost, every time I lost the ball, we had to start the drill again. Uh, it's certainly interesting stuff to read, and, it, and it's worked. I mean, hey, maybe that's the reason that Ranocchio recently got a really nice new deal at Inter. But R- Lukaku, you know, he left in 2014. Seven years later in 2021, is it time for Romelu to return back to Stamford Bridge in his arguably his prime? It's an interesting one. I think going to the concept boys, it just goes to show you that a certain manager can get the best out of certain players. I mean, you look at Bamford at Leeds, everyone who wrote Bamford off before he went and uh, got managed under Bielsa. Lukaku's the same sometimes. These players that are out of form or not quite cutting under a certain manager will go somewhere else or go and get managed by another manager and it'll bring the best out of them. And sometimes that's just what a player needs. And I feel now Lukaku has gone to that next level because I think we all knew he was there. And even at Man United, even when he weren't really playing well, he's still getting goals. I mean, I think his record at Man United is actually quite underrated. I don't think it's the worst by any means. Yes, his first touch was sometimes lacking. I think sometimes the intensity of his game is sometimes lacking under Man United. Uh, you could argue that he almost looked like he didn't want to be there at times. But now on, under... Inter Milan and under Conte, someone that will want him to be given 100% effort all the time and so will put an arm around him as well. He does look like an absolute world beater and a Premier League proven world beater as well. We wouldn't have to worry about whether he can cut it in the Premier League or not like certain strikers and, and Haaland. You know, Lukaku can do in the Prem. His physicality is second to none. I don't think anyone can really get near him when it comes to strength. Um, First touch got so much better, which is needed in the Prem, where you know a lot more teams are pressing now, and the game is very, very quick. Will he want to come to Chelsea? Will he want another crack at the Premier League? I don't know. I'm not too sure. I would personally take him. I definitely would take him. It'd be the cheaper option to Haaland. But would he want to come? And if he doesn't want to come and does get the move, would he give 100% to Chelsea, a team that? rejected him when he was younger I don't know it's a difficult one again uh, with Lukaku uh, for me he needs space to be able to turn defenders you know he said that as well himself mm. you know teams generally do play a fairly low block against us and it's kind of the reason he probably didn't succeed at Chelsea in the first place but he was able to find like more success at sides like Everton or West Brom now at the time he didn't really have that first touch or the creative mind to be maybe of use to us based on our system which is a shame because I wanted him, I'm sure we all did, to succeed during that first go around. You, you brought up his strike rate at United birth, and he scored 42 in 96 games. That's not a terrible return. Not at all. I mean, it's nearly a goal every other game. Nearly. That's better than the majority of our recent strikers. Exactly. You know, it's, it's almost comparable to Drogba's scoring rate, to be fair. Um, when he was at United, his main criticism was that he was a flat-track bully, which people like to use all the time now. Uh, I'm not sure that matches up to the view that he can't do it against a low block, but you know it doesn't work. You know if he's if he's a flat track bully, he's scoring goals against these lower quality clubs that play a low block. 
how can you also be weak against a low block? It doesn't it doesn't work. I mean, will he fit our current play style? When you watch most of his goals for Inter, you know, he's running at the defenders with a lot of space. He's not going to get that with Chelsea. And we already have Werner, who's great at counter-attacking. And his finishing at Inter has become insane. It clearly is. I mean, compared to his time at United and Chelsea. And his hold-up play would be a huge, huge plus, bringing, bringing that to our team. I mean, I feel that would work. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Lukaku? Well... It's interesting that the, the firstly the Conte thing, it makes you wonder how different our club might have looked had we signed Lukaku under Conte instead yes, of Morata. Hundred percent. What what a difference that could have made. Uh but I've watched a lot of Lukaku this season and the development at Inter Milan, he has been unbelievable. His all round game now is at that elite level where you couldn't leave him out of an argument for the top five strikers in the world, possibly even the top three. His link-up play with Martinez has been unreal for Inter Milan and a major reason why they're top of the league in Italy. The thing with him needing spacing behind, I think he has got that to his game, but he is, he is big and he is strong and he is good in the air as well. So I don't think playing against a low block would bother him that much. Now he's improved that that touch around the edge of the box, especially. I think he's just, he's exactly the sort of striker that we need. I, I would look, you know, if we signed Haaland, I would be excited without a doubt. But if we signed Lukaku, I think I'd be over the moon. I think when you look at, we know he can do it in the Premier League, which I think is massive for Chelsea because our history with strikers is is absolutely atrocious. Can we afford to take another? 70, 80, 90, 100 million pound plus risk on a centre forward. I don't think we can. I think we've wasted so much money on people who haven't been good enough. The, the next move has to be really smart. And Lukaku, he's done it in the Premier League for three different teams. He knows the league already. But what I do like about him now is the fact that when he played in the Prem before, he played up front by himself. So you know he can do that lone striker role. But now at Inter Milan, he's been playing in a two and he looks just as good in a two. And I think playing him with Werner, for example, Werner's quite similar to Lataro Martinez, who Inter Milan have now, in terms of they both like to drift wide, they both like to arrive late to get in behind a space that a, a centre-forward leaves them. Lukaku can draw people, draw defenders towards the ball, and then Werner can exploit space that they leave him behind. And I think that partnership would get the best out of Werner, and then Lukaku would get the goals that he always gets, even in his poorest season at United. He's still got over 20 goals in all competitions. So I don't understand why anybody would not want him at Chelsea. It, it just it wouldn't make sense to not sign him if he's available. I mean, we'll, we've got to bring in a negative as we, we have to make it a fair com conversation. Many could say that Serie A lacks athleticism and physicality. I mean, Fakao Tomori, he's excelling in that league right now, almost entirely due to his speed sometimes bailing him out a fair bit. And he's been impressive over there, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, it, it does seem to be quite a, a utopia. It's heaven for a physical, athletic player and a dribbler. It's cause, probably because the Serie A, its style is maybe it's nicely organised tactically. It, would that be considered soft? I, I don't know. But it suits Lukaku on top of, obviously, Conte's style of play. Do, do you feel that's a concern? Um, 
it would be a concern if he hadn't already done it in the Premier League. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I, I think you know, it's not like he just did it for a big club in Man United. He did it for Everton, who at the time was sort of floating around those Europa League places, and he did it for West Brom, who I'm pretty sure. He he pretty much got them into their best position. I think they might have finished seventh or eighth when he was at West Brom, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But he was the reason. What he, I mean, he carried that West Brom team, and, and that was his first full season playing um playing Premier League football. Because before that, he had a few sort of sub appearances with Chelsea, but nothing major. So I would be worried if he'd never had any Premier League experience, but because he does, it won't worry me as much. I think he's developed as a player, like Chris said, he has. His touch is so much better now around the box. I think he'd complement Werner really well. I think he'd complement Ziyech and sort of Hudson-Odoi and Pulisic really well as well and Havertz. He, he can bring other players into the game. And I think, you know, when I looked at him and you, I said it earlier as well, he, he did look like he, he, he lacked that intensity sometimes, like he didn't really care if he scored or not. I think at Inter, he's, he's added that fire to his game and I know Conte has got that into him. And I think if he does bring that, that fire, that intensity that we have been missing up front, someone that's ruthless and someone who's just will score goals and sort of put his body about and get really stuck in and really just do everything he can to win the game for, for Chelsea. I think if we get that sort of Lukaku that we've been seeing at Inter Milan, we'll be right up there next season if we go for him. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I guess at the end of it, you overall you should say Erling Haaland should be the priority probably due to his potential. And of course, he's at such a young age, you know, he's 20 years old and injuries dependent. He'll improve even more. I mean, he has the chance to become one of the best players in the world very soon. Maybe one of the best players ever. Again, you never you never know how a career can turn out because potential is exactly that. You know, I, I, I don't feel Haaland will choose us. So you need that second choice. And Lukaku is, for me, the only alternative who would come close. And Chelsea want, and let's face it, they need a goal scorer. They need that all-round forward, a world-beater. And Lukaku is ticks all those boxes. You know, he's proven over the years to be just a machine in front of goal. He scores, and he's an absolute, incredibly uh, beast of a player. I mean, we don't, you don't often, you think of beast players. You think of Ronaldo. You think of Messi. They get on the pitch, they score, they they drive you to titles, to championships. And I think that Lukaku could do that, especially him being in his prime. You know, would they get him? I, I don't think it's impossible because Inter's finances, there's rumours that they're not the best right now. The next question is, would he come back to Chelsea? Now, I have no hesitation in that. I, I think, yes, I think he 100% because the project's there and... You have a chance to prove everyone that at the club selling me was wrong. He, he I think, I think he just, I think he'd be there in an instant. Could be wrong, but I, I feel that. I mean, what are your final final thoughts on this 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 debate? Where are you siding with? Um, Chris, <laughs> you can go first on this one. It's a fair point. It's a fair point to pass it over. Yeah. If. It's difficult because if Haaland turned around to Chelsea and said, I want to sign, and then you didn't sign him, and he went on to be Ronaldo Messi level, it's the worst mistake ever. But I do think there is still a lot of risk involved with Haaland in terms of the fact that he's only been in Dortmund for 18 months. His goal-scoring record is outstanding, and there is no doubt that if he's not already at world-class level, he will be very soon. 
but has he proved himself enough for the money that he's going to cost? That's the question. Also, I, I would be concerned with Haaland's style of play. A lot of the goals he scores for Dortmund are from spacing behind, and our record with strikers who play like that isn't great. He he relies on little quick passes to release him in behind, a bit like Werner did at Leipzig, and those are passes that you don't get at Chelsea. So there are still question marks over Haaland. I personally would would side with Lukaku because, like I said, I don't think the club can afford to take another £100 million risk on a centre-forward. And I think Lukaku suits the different styles of play that we can play. He suits the Premier League because he's done it here before. I do think he'd come back because I agree with you, Mikey. I think he's got a point to prove. And when he signed for Chelsea, he said it was always his dream to play for Chelsea. So I don't think that would have gone away. And I think he would want to win the Premier League, which he didn't do. And when you look at his goal-scoring record in the Premier League, really, it's a it's a striker who should have won the league. So I think he'd want to achieve that. So I think he would come. And I think for Chelsea, he's almost the safer option, if not the better option. Yeah, I, I, I actually agree. I am on Team Lukaku here. And I know that's a lot of people would be like, really? But... You know, at the moment, this changes every day of this story. I mean, Haaland's, I think his dad, Alf, and Raiola have been in Barcelona today of recording, and then Madrid. Dortmund has said they're not selling him. But obviously, that could change if they don't get Champions League. But then they're saying they're not going to sell for under €150 million, Euros, which is just it's insane money. It really is. I mean, even if you are going to go all in. Also, uh, uh, the other thing with Haaland is, if he was to sign for Chelsea... If in two years' time he then wants to go to Real Madrid and we have to sell him, who do you get then? People are saying that Haaland's a long-term solution, but he's only a long-term solution if he wants to stay at your club long-term. If he was signing for Chelsea as a stepping stone for a Madrid, a Barcelona, a Bayern Munich, then he's not a long-term solution. You're only going to get two or three years out of him, but you'd get that as a Lukaku. You'd still be That's a great point. Yeah, I I mean, this this is exactly why... You know, I'm I'm so proud of our dynamic in this this show. That that, that opinion, I hadn't considered it, but you're spot on. Would Chelsea be the next stepping stone? I mean, we all thought he was going to be at Dortmund for maybe two seasons, maybe pushing three. It might not even be. Well, it's one and a half technically. Yeah, that's quite a surprise. So the be... problem is though, the problem is with Haaland. If he goes to somewhere like Real Madrid, I'll lose. I'll use Luka Jovic as a perfect example. Luka Jovic was scoring goal after goal after goal after goal after goal. Went to Real Madrid. Now he's back at Frankfurt. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Haaland, but it just goes to show that sometimes making that big move straight away isn't necessarily a good thing. Mm. But sometimes you do have to go somewhere and then make that big move when you say 26, 27, rather than jump straight in to the to the big big teams. I mean, I'm, it's different for everyone. I mean, if Mbappe moved to Real Madrid... I'm sure it'd be classed straight away. I'm yeah. just saying that sometimes when you're a young, young footballer, like Luka Jovic was, he was scoring goals and had a lot of attention from a lot of clubs. Sometimes it's best not to make that big move straight away, even though it's very, very tempting. Sometimes you want to make a move to a different country, say like go from Frankfurt to then like an AC Milan or a Chelsea, then make a big move to a, a PSG, Real Madrid, Man City, someone like that. Sometimes it, it does pay to sort of make that, that move. Look at Hazard. Went from Lille to Chelsea, then to Real Madrid. All right, it's not worked at Real Madrid, but, you know, sometimes you've got to think long-term, not short-term. I think, obviously, with Jovic, it's a bit of a shame because he's really suited that system in with that front three of Rebic, Haller, and obviously himself. So that's, you know, 
he was put and that spotlight at Real Madrid is big. Maybe Haaland's fine to do it. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, this this is going to be a story that's going to be going on for months and months. It's certainly not going to stop in April, considering how big the news is this week. So it's certainly going to be one to follow, and we will see if we get either or neither in the in the coming months. I mean. With that, we've come to the end of another episode about the Bridge Pod. So it's time for our social media plugs. Uh, where can we be found? And have we got any uh, articles coming up? Uh, yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> Man United base. So, you know, only read that if you really care. I, I, I don't. But it's a well-written piece, not by me, by uh, one of our other writers. Uh, you can find that uh, on Twitter. It is at Pitch Pundits. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Chris09Adams. And on Twitter, I still haven't made any blogs or any articles, but for general stupidness and stupid views, follow me. I'm at Chris Burford. And of course, you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram as that redhead dude. For all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for exactly that at the Bridge Pod. Drop us a like, a follow, keep up to date on all things Chelsea. I'm I'm trying to get that YouTube channel back up and into its full glory, so I'm going to try and upload the episodes onto there as well. Maybe some other content when uh, I make my decision on a webcam and other stuff. I mean, we're, we're getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, it's taking a bit of time, but it'll be worth it, maybe, hopefully. But, yeah, uh, till next time, listeners, that will be us. And we're signing off. <laughs>